Good morning. This morning I want to jump into a sort of a mini two-part series within our current summer series, two messages that get at two questions related to God's call on your life. This week I want to look at the question of how do we know we're being called by God into something. If God's calling you to step into something new, how do you know? And then next week I want to take a look at what does it mean to sustain a call uh, for the long haul. Now to get at those two questions, I want to look at two of my very favorite Bible characters, Jeremiah and Elijah. And specifically, I want to look at this morning, the beginning of Jeremiah's life, when, when he was a kid, receiving a call from God. And then next week, Elijah, later in life, after a long journey of ups and downs and, and so much more. I'm excited about these two weeks, so, so let's dive in. And first, uh, a bit of background about Old Testament prophets. At the time of the prophets in the Old Testament, there was a, a northern kingdom of Israel and a southern kingdom of Judah. A southern kingdom had 20 kings. The northern kingdom had almost that many. It had 19. Here's the deal. In the northern kingdom of the 20 kings, 12 were considered bad, evil by nature, eight good. And in the northern kingdom, all 19 kings were considered bad, evil. Sort of just like in other parts of the world, even right here in America, people reflected their leaders. And so if the leaders were struggling and doing things they shouldn't and all the rest then the people would follow right along and it would just be this kind of quagmire mess and it was into that that the prophets stepped. And the fact is, and you discover it throughout the books of the Old Testament, that the mess in those two kingdoms greatly mattered to God. Those kingdoms weren't just random countries. They were groups of people that God had made a covenant with. A covenant. A covenant was a, a special sacred promise by God to his people with the expectation that his people would make a commitment to live a life honoring to him. A covenant. But of course they didn't. And we don't. And as a result, God was not pleased. He decides, as he always will, to hold them accountable. But he doesn't give up on them. He he holds on to his part of the covenant all the while wanting and, and giving opportunity after opportunity to his people to come back to him. So he raises up prophets to speak for him, calling God's people back, warning them what will happen if they don't. Now, not just anyone could step into the role of a prophet, and it certainly wasn't a job for the faint of heart. Prophets spoke God's mind. They were in many ways his voice box uttering his word. In the Old Testament, you find two types of prophets. Some spoke messages God gave for them, sort of like, thus saith the Lord. Others spoke more with their lives as God did miraculous events in and through them. Now next week, we'll look at one of those prophets, Elijah, and some of his wild events that marked his life, especially later in his life. But this morning I want to look at, at a prophet who spoke the words of God as God gave them to him, the prophet Jeremiah. 
The book, interestingly enough, of Jeremiah is the longest book in the Bible. Many people think, oh, it must be the Psalms. But if you just count up the words, Jeremiah is actually the longest book in the Bible. And this morning I want to begin at the beginning. The first chapter, the first few verses of the first chapter where Jeremiah gets his call to step into ministry. And to see, to wrestle with a little bit of how how God's call on Jeremiah's life might relate to a call on your life and mine. Now Jeremiah lived around 600 BC in the southern kingdom of Judah. He was born into a family of priests, making him one too. His name means to throw down. I like that name. His name means, Jeremiah, to throw down. And that's exactly what God does with him. He grabs a hold of him at a young age and throws him down into a political, spiritual quagmire with total annihilation coming from another nation on the horizon. God does so. He calls him out in order to call his people back to him, to give them one more chance before the onslaught begins. And so it all begins for Jeremiah in chapter 1. Turn with me there as we read an incredible passage of of God's calling, his vision of, of a wrestling with God. Jeremiah 1, beginning in verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah's response, Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Powerful, powerful calling. It comes to Jeremiah early in his his life. In the Old Testament, the word used mostly to refer to prophets is the word nabi, literally means one who is called. And that makes sense. I can't imagine anyone ever aspiring to the role of a prophet. It's way too difficult. It's way too dangerous. And it's scary. Jeremiah, even at a young age, was all too aware of the perils that came with being a called prophet. But the call was clear. It was strong. It was unavoidable. So so picture it. A a 13, maybe 14-year-old kid, Jeremiah, a young guy. He knew God. He loved God. He understood and knew well when he heard God's voice. He had a good heart. He was starting to imagine what his life would be like, like most 14-year-olds dreaming big dreams about their life. When suddenly one day God speaks to him. He actually speaks to him in in a conversation that would launch Jeremiah into a journey that would change the course of history, impacting even us, us today. A journey that began here with a clear call. Now this morning I want to kind of pick apart a little bit that exchange, that, that call, and, 
and in, in the mix, hopefully discover some key components that are present whenever God calls his people into something new. I'm going to share kind of rapid fire here, six to be exact, if you want to jot them down. First, God's call involves perfect timing in so many aspects of life. In fact, in most, timing is everything. For Jeremiah, first God puts Jeremiah's call in historical perspective. Before I even formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, before you were even born, I set you apart. I appointed you. I was thinking about you in this, this moment. And then at just the right time, the call came. According to one Bible commentator, Jeremiah's call came at the very most strategic time. It was both a time of hope because of the spiritual reforms that were happening under good King Josiah and a time of danger for the new enemy that loomed on the horizon would eventually come into play. Now for Jeremiah, Jeremiah that, that call came early in his life. He was a kid. And I love that. And I've used this passage so many times with students and with parents of students as, as God doesn't wait till, till people grow up into adulthood to lay his call on them. And after 40 years of working with students, I've seen that happen again and again and again as God looks around for a willing heart, oftentimes a young person, and calls them out. In fact, just before a bunch of us went to Ireland this summer, I ran across an application for a, a mission trip back in the 90s of a 17-year-old Heather Clark, now Samuels. She had filled it out at 17. We're getting ready to go to Chicago. I ran into the application, and one of the questions on it was, why are you doing this? And she wrote in her application. I always save these applications, eventually give them back to them in adulthood. She said, because maybe I want to do this because maybe God's calling me into, a mission, to, into the mission field someday. I want to test it out. Fast forward up to this past summer, and there she was. What a thrill to work alongside her in Ireland working with YWAM. For Jeremiah, the timing was perfect, and it came early. How about you? You know, could, could now be the moment? Could this be the time that God is calling you, nudging you into something new. Second, God's call plays into our weakness, not our strengths. And because of that, our response must always be trust. Just trust him. It was certainly true for Jeremiah. He's a 14-year-old kid who doesn't know how to speak, who has no experience whatsoever of what he's being called into. Ah, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a kid. Like, you almost get the sense in the back of his mind. He would say, go, go talk to my dad. Ask him, not me. He's in an incredibly weak position here. And he knows it. And the thing is, so does God. And that's exactly where God wants him. Listen, it just seems to me that there's always a principle at work here. And it's this. God's call seems to come at the point in which his gifts and our weaknesses intersect. It's there that he can use us. His gifts and our weakness, in humility we come to him and the ball is in his court to use us, not ours. But we're so full of ourselves. 
with our abilities, our education, our money, our experiences, our assumptions. I, I know I am. And for us and for Jeremiah, it's always way too many personal pronouns. I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. I think I can handle this. I don't know. I, I, me, 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 I. And at the end of the day, God's call in our lives is about him, not us. He is the one who will do the work. Our job is to hold on tight and trust him. There's a couple of passages very uh, paints a great picture of God's role in our lives, calling us into something new out of Deuteronomy. You might want to jot these down. Deuteronomy 33.12, Deuteronomy 1.31. Deuteronomy 33.12, the beloved of the Lord dwells, dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long and he dwells between his shoulders. Uh, to me, that's a picture of us climbing on God's back between his shoulders, and holding on around his neck, like a piggyback ride. And, and actually, the next one gets at that same kind of image. In the desert, this is Deuteronomy 131. In the desert, you saw how the Lord, your God, carried you as a father carries his child all the way you went until you reached this place. And again, just kind of holding on to the father on his back and letting him take you. Listen, if, if you have a sense, an inkling that God is calling you into something, even if it makes no sense, and it probably doesn't, and it probably won't in the beginning, trust him on it. Don't push back. Save your breath. Let it, let it kind of sit for a while. Mention it to a trusted Christian friend. Pray over it, and then climb on God's back and hang on. Third, God's call is a command. We cannot say no to. And, and in the course of that, it requires obedience. Look at God's response to Jeremiah's whiny excuses. Legitimate excuses, but whiny and excuses nonetheless. Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You, you can just picture him getting in his face like, don't give me that. Don't push back. I'm God. I'm not asking you. Um, I'm telling you this is the way it's going to be. I'm commanding you. Listen, if you're, if you're starting to listen to God's voice, his call on your life, you better be prepared to respond with a bunch of like, under your breath, okay. Like, okay. Like when a parent speaks to you or a boss, they don't, they don't want like whiny excuses. They, they, they want like, okay, okay, I, I got it. Um, it'll be done. You know what I mean? Even if in your head and your heart you have no clue how that's going to be, you step into it. Assuming God's been calling you into something new, what's been your response? What is your Response. He's not going to spell it all out, and at the end of the day, it requires obedience. Fourth, God's call is usually scary, and it requires courage. Jeremiah may have been young, but he knew enough to know that what he was being asked to do was incredibly dangerous. And I'll tell you what, I, 
I challenge you to read through the long book of Jeremiah. It is a wild tale of danger at, at every turn. His fear made sense. And it even made sense to God. And so in verse 8, God's response to Jeremiah, so gentle, so, so kind. He says, don't, don't be afraid of them. Like, I understand, Jeremiah. I, I know. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. I have your back. The antidote to fear that comes with God's call in our lives is God's presence in our life, his willingness and ability to rescue us when we're deep into it. If you step into ministry, you will be deep up to your neck in danger. That just comes with the territory. And he doesn't just say, buck up. He says, I understand, and I am with you. And when things get beyond you, I will rescue you. I will move heaven and earth. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. I will rescue you. This sense of, of, of a call to be strong and courageous is a phrase that's, of course, repeated often in Scripture. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong, vigorous, very courageous. Be not afraid. Don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Not just a call to be strong, but there's that ending that's so great, for the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, Joshua 1.9, Jeremiah 1.8, those are the promises for you as you live and step into God's call. Fifth, when God calls us, he equips us, and you need to let him do that. When he calls us, he equips us with gifts. Look at what he does for Jeremiah, verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. My words in your mouth. That is incredibly powerful, tangible, specific, received, done. For the rest of his life, God's word came out of his mouth. And that happened. I'm sure time and time and time again, as he spoke these long, eloquent, difficult, challenging things in frightening places in front of great authorities and armies, he remembered back that these were God's words, not his. And here's a question. Have you, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever stepped into a situation where God needs to show up or you're in big trouble? And you open your mouth and he does. You open your mouth and he speaks through you. I, you do not have to be an elder, a minister. You could be a 14-year-old kid. And I've seen it happen. And the question is, have you experienced that? If you were a follower or pursuer of Jesus and his call on your life, I would expect the answer to that question to be, yeah, you know, it wasn't big and dramatic, but he did. And, and he was. To be equipped with something new requires a humble, receptive heart that's tuned into what God is doing. And and, and, and that happened for Jeremiah. And is that where we're at today? Sixth, God's call is always to something new. And the result, as a result, the old needs to go. 
For Jeremiah, this new involved a lot of demolition of old things, a lot of demo. Like if you're restoring, redoing a kitchen, the old stuff's got to go first before you bring in the new. Verse 10, see today, Jeremiah, I appoint you to, to overthrow nations and kingdoms. That's pretty wild to say to a 14-year-old. And then there's a list of six things. And notice four are destructive and the last two are constructive. And it's in that order that they come to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. Four references to destruction, two to construction. Before you can build and plant, you have to tear down, destroy, uproot. And everyone, everyone loves the building and the planting. It's exciting, it's new, it's, it's, it's great, but few like the destruction especially to things that traditionally have been meaningful to you. The giving up of what was is often painful, the familiar, the comfortable, the memories, the things that work back in the day but don't anymore, the things that, that were, that was the way we always did it. It's tough to give those up, especially in the church. And if you've been around long enough in the church, you know that. And I still haven't figured it out, and I feel it too. But to give them up, we must, in order to respond to God's call into the new. Here's a verse. See, this is Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing here. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Man, I love that verse. I, I love it. God is doing a new thing here. It's springing up all around us. And the question is, do we perceive it? Do we see what he's doing? Are we willing to step into it once we notice it? Do we dare respond to his call into the unknown of something new? And so God's call, it, it comes at just the right time. It plays into our weakness. It's a command. It's scary. God equips us with what we need to step into it. And it's always, always new. May, may you and I have the courage to respond to his call, both individually and collectively as a church, as we move into a new season of ministry. Let's, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for all the ways that you show us your hand here, that you would want to include us in the advancement of your kingdom. We are so humbled about that. We are so grateful. And collectively as a church, we say yes. And would you continue to call us as a church into, into new things that you're about and as individuals as well. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.